is to sing the buoyant acts of gratitude to God for having led us thus far in this season of Advent. We fully give the focus to our hearts. All that the Lord has been furnishing us with. Because as we make progress and live, things happen spiritually. You may not be aware of it, but things happen. And as much as we are human beings that are dominated by what our senses can only give us. We all know that there's so much happening in our lives that our senses cannot function. That's what we call the name of faith. And so there are things that are happening in the realm of faith that our senses cannot capture or has capacity to so enrich us and bless us. That is why if your life is only being governed by what your senses Grant you access to. You are living small. You are living very small. Because the vast riches of life is not direct to the senses, but in the realm of the spirit. That's why salvation can only access, not by the senses, but by faith. Grace can only be accessed by your faith. The first dimension that Bless us in this spirit journey can only be accessed by faith. And so a lot is happening because of this season. And we have stepped into the week where a special gift of God is being unleashed <coughs> upon humanity. And the readings of today captures that. And what is that treasure? What is that wealth? It is the gift of rejoicing. And that's why this Sunday is only now that third Sunday, a rejoicing Sunday. <coughs> why is the church emphasizing that for us to know that something substantial as well as a gift, God? And so, if you are waiting for senses, you will feel excited. You may not catch it. If something you have sensed spiritually, it's something you receive by faith. And then, as you receive by faith and live your life each day, this joy oozes out over time. Over time, like the oil that is subjected to heat, you see it melting out or flowing out. Then we say, in the presence of the Lord, is what? It's when you receive joy that you cannot translate to the word rejoicing. So the peaceful digestion of this culture is rejoicing. When we receive something, we begin to rejoice. So rejoicing is an act of faith that salvation has brought us. 
It's very important that we understand some of these things and be in tune with the rule of the Spirit. The great disaster that happened to the is not just living on the superficial. You live on the periphery. Things are just not natural. You feel your life as a Christian as just normal. Nothing is inspiring you. Nothing is actually gingering you. That's very dangerous to live that way. There's more to life than the world. There's more to life than the world you can see or talk and see. Very important. So, when we assess this joy, as the presence of God. That means that this kind of joy can only come from God's presence. And we are all seated by this now. If God was to open our hearts and you see the importance and the troubles that is eating human beings for the We have been my this ministry. Our plans not to be deceived by and Why? Because the cost of administration will come to you well dressed, looking cute, but when they open their mouth and they tell you things, you need to weigh this person that's well dressed, but it's looking up, it's not going up. You may see the person giving you a smile, it's all fake smile, but inside, this person is like the level of damage. Only God can express God. So that's why the external cannot give, the sense cannot give you a true state for someone. God is above that, and that's why God is not deceived by our packaging. God knows that there's something in it. That's why our journey in this aspect is also a moment that God restores the most lacking thing in the heart of men. Good job. Joy that money cannot give. Joy that position cannot give. Joy that friends cannot give. This type of joy you can't buy with money. You may pretend you're okay. You see? You may pretend you're good. You present what you call a corporate personality. You're looking good, and they will tell you, oh, you're looking good. But you know very well that you know you're being good inside is all good. And this every day is on the increase. That's why we need to have so much of mental health issues. You see that someone you will say that, you know, apparently he's doing well, in your very presence, he drives his car to a notable place. And then you see him come out of the sky, wear dressed his suit, and then he goes and jumps and kills himself. Notable personalities, celebrities, who have everything in life commit suicide. Why? They have everything. Then why are they killing themselves? Why, why can they see life? What they have is because they lack the joy that comes from God. 
The joy that comes from God is like empty oil to the empty. If you lack that, you will soon crash in the matter of life. Man lost his joy when he broke his intimacy with God. The moment God chased Adam out of the garden after he disobeyed, man lost the peace that sustains him forever. And that's why everything started over against him. The earth rose against him. Animals will see Adam, who is their master, and attack him. The earth that should be blessed with man began to revolt against him. They see the wind became a weapon of what? Destruction. Against who? So, when we talk about the God, that is Sunday, it's something very deep. I must appreciate that. So, we are reiterating that God, in giving us his son Jesus, there is something more that he gave, which is the gift of his heart. And that gift of his heart is the gift of joy. The Bible calls it the joy that surpasses human understanding. That means it's the type of joy that your senses cannot assess and quantify. You see yourself rejoicing so much in the midst of catastrophe, in the midst of difficulty. There's this inner joy that you have that oozes out of you, that overwhelms you. Sometimes you can't even control it. You think it will come. David, even though he knew in the New Testament, when this joy was happening within the church, by the book of prophecy, he would assess it many years before he came. That's why he said to us, in Philistine, he was praying in Psalm 51. He said, Oh Lord, do not take away your spirit from me. Restore to me what? Restore to me all my conditions. Can you see? Because he knew that if that joy is not there, every other thing will go down and crush Restore to me the joy that comes from where? Salvation. That means that when you receive salvation, the little test that proves that you have received salvation is this type of joy that comes from God. And that joy is higher than every other joy that makes you present itself. The devil knows that when you have that joy, there's a little bit higher than us. At every part, you pay favor to all anxiety. Why the anxiety? It's because you have joy. An anxious person has no joy. Somebody who is on anxiety has no joy. So, our hearts are stretched in faith. On this day, I will say the Lord, thank you for the gift of joy that comes only from your presence. We lay hold on it and we receive it. And we live in it and we must rejoice. Demonstrate in the midst of darkness that God is still the one that shall be given. That's what it says. He said, rejoice. Rejoice. I say rejoice always. I wonder why Paul was emphasizing means. You can just say rejoice, and that was enough. But he said rejoice, rejoice. I say rejoice always. So he said it three times. 
And while I was reflecting on that, I was asking Paul in my experience, I said, Paul, why did you emphasize this in so much like this? He said, go and read that part right later. And I went back to read it, you know. And then he said, read the last part, that's from verse 24. He said, may the God of peace himself, not the angels, not the saints. I want to do that here. Say thank you, Jesus. He said, may the God of peace. May the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. That is, sanctify you totally. So the sanctification grace, the sanctification spirit, when it comes to you, it will do a holistic job. And as you are listening to me now, and you agree with God in your heart, if your own sanctification is not complete, he perfects it now in the name of Jesus Christ. I said he perfects it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Some that sanctification is not complete because of the way they have heard the word. Because Jesus said, take it how you hear. So the way you Hear the word of God determines the degree to which things are done in your stead. He said, May the God of peace himself sanctify you totally and may your spirit and soul and body. So that is the holistic dimension. So the sanctification must first take place in your spirit. Your spirit needs to be sanctified. Your spirit needs to be, you know, delivered from perversity. Your spirit has been put in bondage. That is why there's arrogance. That's why there's anger. That's why there's pride. That's why there's carnality. That's why there's darkness in the heart of man. Because the man's spirit is polluted when he yielded to Satan and obeyed Satan. His spirit man was reprogrammed for negativity. And that is why you see yourself, the things you don't want to do, you see yourself doing it because you've been programmed by a demonic spirit. The spirit that insists that you must do what you've been programmed for. So your spirit needs to be sanctified. Your spirit needs to be touched by God. Your spirit needs to be shaken by grace. Your spirit needs to be, you know, refined again. If your spirit is not sanctified, the joy of the Lord cannot be vested in. Because the joy of the Lord and all sanctified spirit cannot be they can't sit together. That is why some people will come to church in the same environment. One gets blessed, one gets touched by God, the other not happens to him. He even leaves the church worse than how he came. If your spirit is not sanctified, you will come to church, the things you see here will make no sense to you. It doesn't inspire you. 
The word of God will not make sense to you. No matter what they say, you have already existing program that makes you to argue against it. So we will understand this when some people, you see them acting the way they act. We know. We don't judge them, but we pity them. Come to church, they say every time, church for heaven. We know what made you say what you say. We know the engineer behind the language you just produced. You may think you express yourself, but we know you're under what? You're under a force that kept you what? Captive. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. So our spirit needs to be sanctified. <clears throat> Paul was not speaking to pagans out there. He was speaking to Christians in Thessalonica. Thessalonica uh, the the Thessalonian church. So we must yield our spirit to be sanctified. Let God be able to find a space in your spirit. God is spirit. He can only interact with you in your spirit realm. But he can't come to a spirit that is polluted. A spirit that is hosting darkness. A spirit that is keeping an energy that is not of God. Because any tree that is not planted by God will be cut down. If your spirit is not sanctified, you will not host the values of God. Faith for you is just go to church and go back home. This, you know what they call a saving faith that makes you to begin to tread the things of this earth with an extended hope of a greater value in heaven will not be there. You think life is all about here. You are cut off. You dwell with things that dematerializes in their use. You boast of your achievements with things that you carry with your own hands. You live with approval of men. Just because they gave you paper, you feel you have right. Because your spirit is not sanctified. So that's why the grace of salvation, when it comes, the first thing it does to your soul and your spirit is what? It sanctifies you. It breaks away everything. Reprograms you. Transforms you. That's why you see someone like Matthew, the tax collector, who was so rich in his studious acts, when he received his spirit, his life was changed. He no longer valued his office and the money he was making. He valued Jesus. It's very terrible if your spirit is not sanctified. God is not interested in your appearance in church. God is interested in your spirit sanctified. That's why Paul is making this prayer. Passionately made a God of peace himself, not any other person, himself. Eh? Sanctify you wholly, totally. And may your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound. Because your spirit can be what? Opposite of sound is what? Eh? Broken. Ah, no, no, no. He said, hey, this child is a sound boy. Eh? Then opposite of his what? Dull boy, right? 
hair. So the word sound can be used to describe, you know, excellence, right? Beautiful. Goodly, right? Then the opposite of it is what? Huh? Not really bad, yeah, bad. Uh-huh. Eh? Weak, ugly, awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No meeting up to standard. He says, be kept sound. So when your spirit is sanctified, God who has sanctified that spirit and has made it a place where his values can be hosted, the first thing he drops in that spirit is the joy that God only can give. Then he will keep that soul sound. That soul will not know the reason for life. Because many don't know, even know the reason for life. They feel that life is all about, oh, I'm born here. Oh, I spent birthday. Oh, I go to school. I look for a job. I make money. I build house. Then in their minds, they think they're arriving. And they sit down and say, yes, oh, I'm successful because, you see, look at my achievements. Look at my achievements. And then, if God grants them one and twenty years, before they reach the one and twenty years, all their achievements will have what? Will all been dematerialized. The cars and the houses, all of them will have turned to what? Old structures that themselves will even curse those things. How do you call that achievement? We pray that this season, as the Spirit of God is going around, Hovering over the church, following you and talking to you to yield yourself, that he may sanctify you. May you receive grace to yield to him in the name of Jesus Christ. That spirit is seeking your attention. Son, I want to do something with your life. Give me your spirit. Give me your attention. He'll be arguing with you. He will, tell, he will tell you, let go this. Bring this in. You say, oh, every time. No, 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 no. You refuse to listen to a voice of your conscience. You are driving. He sweeps things in your ear. The devil knows that as long as you are sanctified, his power, his power towards you is completely null and void. The only way he can have access to you is when you have what? A corrupt spirit. Number two, he said, your soul be sanctified. What is your soul? Your mind, your thought system, your cognitive dimension, your consciousness. That's the soul's realm. The realm where information is synthesized, where information are molded into blocks that determine value and meanings. And eventually it's translated into your spirit. Then your spirit will give you what it takes, the energy to be able to execute them. Your soul too needs to be sanctified. That means your soul needs deliverance. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 from verse 1 and 2. He says, brethren, offer your very selves as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. He said, this is your reasonable act of worship. Self-offering to God is the most reasonable act of what? Worship. Any worship outside this is not reasonable to God. Verse 2, he now says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Because this world has a pattern. 
An invisible pattern that shapes men, that shapes women, that makes them to become who they are. Like a mold, you are squeezed into the mold. They want to bend your neck all the time. They turn you that way. They convince you. And every day I go in your neck is like this. They convince you that life is this way. So they play the card before you. You accept what they're doing. That's what they call the mold. You say, you don't conform to that kind of mold. But let your mind be remade. In other words, he's emphasizing that our soul be sanctified. Because the beginning of your sanctification of your soul is your mind. Your rejoicing begins from your mind. Your depression begins from your mind. A man's life is dependent on the quality of his mind. Who you are today is a conglomerate of the different thoughts that have been what? Packed up in your mind. Your mind is that big house that keeps all the thoughts that you host in your system. And your thoughts is what forms the pictures you have created in your system that makes you do the things you do. So the outplay of your life is dependent on what and what are the thoughts that fill the house called your mind. Shout a big amen. amen. Are we together here? Is Jesus teaching somebody something here now? May you hear well in the name of Jesus Christ. So Jesus too is interested in your soul. He's interested in your mind. He's interested in your consciousness. Because he knows that there's no way he can you know, make you love him if he doesn't invade that area and change what the devil has put there. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 3 down. He said the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? I can't hear you. Who is the God of this world, church? Someone look at me and say, who is the God of this world? Hey, they're even afraid to call his name. I say, who is the God of this world? Oh, you don't want to call his name? Is he your friend? Okay, I see that some part defending him here. Oh. Please, as I'm going to ask you now, open your two ears and see whether your neighbor will get quiet. Let us know where they belong. If you're on the side of Jesus, you call his name. If you're not on the side of Jesus, keep quiet. I say, who is the God of this world? Hey, now you want to prove yourself. So the God of this world is the devil. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Read it. It's your Bible. I don't have the luxury of time to start taking you to read it now. So it means there's a God in this world that goes about binding and blinding the minds of men. How does he do it? He deceives them. He makes them to downplay the things of God, the values of God. The things of the supernatural. He plants in their mind carnality, attachment to the things that the eyes can see, the things the hands can touch. He manipulates them. He plants thoughts in their minds, and those thoughts appear reasonably or reasonable. The Bible says there are ways that seem right unto a man. There's a way that seems reasonable to a man. But the end of it is what? Death. Say thank you, Jesus. 
So that is why God himself is interested in your mind. Your mind must be renewed because your mind has been kept in the dark. The God of Israel doesn't go after your leg. He won't go after your hands. He won't go after your mouth. He won't even go after your money. He's not interested in that. He goes after something very crucial in your life. The second thing that is crucial is what? Your soul, your mind. He knows that if he can take charge of the brain box, he can control the tires and the gearbox. He can damn the sound of the engine. Two of us. Two of us. Yes. The guy doesn't want to keep in. He's not, he's not interested in, you know, fighting with force. He goes to the place where he will be pressing button. He will tell you, go right, you go right. There are thoughts that you think you don't know. Those thoughts are demonic oriented. They may appear normal. They even may appear humanistic when you hear those words. Peter came to Jesus after he told them, the Son of Man has come and he will die in the hands of evil men. They will arrest me. They will kill me and I will be buried. And he was telling them, on the, on the third day, I will rise again. This information, is he seeking their support? Answer me now. Boy, answer me now. Is he seeking their support? He's giving them an information. They were not comfortable with it. Why should you die? God forbid. You will not die. You shall live. Was it not reasonable? Peter said, no. I must show that I love Jesus more than everybody. He heard Jesus and said, come, come, come. I want to tell you something. Jesus thought it was something wonderful. And when he took one side, you know I love you. Don't confess negativity again. Don't say this again. You know, Peter is much older than Jesus. So he spoke as an elder. I said, ah, my brother, don't say this again. You live long and see your enemies being crushed. And what did Jesus say? He turned towards Peter, whom he has made the head of the church, and said, get behind me, Satan. What evil did Peter say? That you are not even calling him Satan. He didn't say Peter. This you are saying is not of God. Though. He called him Satan. Because who you are is what your thought hosts. The real you is your thoughts. This one we're seeing is just a carcass covering your thoughts. That's why God does not judge by appearance. He judges by the heart. And what is in the heart? Your thoughts. What your heart or what your thought hosts, whether you do it or not, as long as you've endorsed it here, it has happened. We're only waiting for what? Manifestation. That's why I said, if you look at a woman, or a woman looks at a man lustfully in his heart, he has already what? I can't hear you. So, you need to go to confession. Because the act has been, what, committed already in the heart, in a chamber somewhere. We're waiting for the drama to not happen. He said, Peter, he said, you are Satan, get behind me. You know, continues and says, you don't think like God. You think like man. That even worried me more. So to think like man, is it equal being called a Satan? That you think like a human being, God is judging it as what? Satan. So you can see the reason why 
our souls needs to be what? Sanctified. This way, to sanctify your soul is through the word of God. Even though the church has received Christ, the church is in the battle of trying to make sure that she is completely sanctified. Each and every one of us is in a journey of what? Embracing the grace to be fully sanctified. Fully, I can't hear you, fully sanctified. That's why we celebrate these different seasons that our sanctification may be complete. And the call of the Holy Spirit that you have to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit did in your life before your time list is over. Now, the question is, to what degree have you been sanctified? What percentage of sanctification has taken place in your soul? What percentage of sanctification has taken place in your mind? What percentage of sanctification has taken place in your spirit? As a man thinks, say it well, let me hear you loud and clear. As a man thinks, so he is. As a man acts, so he is. Is that what he said? No. As a man thinks, so he is. So your thought is you. The real you is your thoughts. The devil knows that. That's why he binds the minds of men. He controls their thoughts. If you read that Second Corinthians chapter four, to verse, you know, uh, chapter four, verse four, he says, "And the God of this world has blinded the eyes of many, lest they see the light of the gross gospel and what be saved." So he has kept their mind in the dark. So he binds their mind. He takes their mind into a dark place, and then puts them in prison, determines what they think. They will be thinking normal thoughts that are not harmful, but those thoughts have capacity to reduce your credibility and your power in life. That's the reason we have retreats. Retreats moment and that moment will come and we engage the Holy Spirit to perfect the sanctification that began already. In our soul, in our spirit, and in our body. Last two weeks, we had the family retreat, couples and gathers retreat in this chapel. It was well announced. Thank God for those of you who came. Some were too busy. It never makes sense to them. They heard about it. They have the power to create the time and attend it and allow God invade the privacy of their spirit, the privacy of their soul, and the privacy of their body and perfect the work he has started. But they were too busy chasing what we, we finish before the exit. You know, I will not spare you. I will give it to you hard because I don't want your blood to be on my head. We are too busy. Three days, just three days, that will not even scratch your life. We are too busy. 
Jesus said, I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. And what? The last one is what? And they hear my voice. When he speaks, they, they who are his sheep, they hear his voice. Learn it. If you're not fully sanctified, you can't hear his voice. You may be religious. You may attend church. You may receive communion. But you don't belong to him. Judas, was he an apostle? Did he not partake of the last supper? Was he not one with Jesus? But was he his? No. He heard another voice. Child of God, don't put your life in such a way that God himself will be tired of you. I tell you, there's a way you live your life. Even God himself says, this one, I don't tire for this one. I have tried. I have tried. And he will look for those who are available. And he wonders. The way to destruction is very wide and smooth. And he said, many are on that path. But the way to live that leads to life is very narrow and very few are on it. Have you ever asked yourself this deep question? Which path am I following? Don't deceive yourself. Am I following the narrow path? Or am I following the crowd path? The last quarters that needs sanctification is our body. And I'm very happy the way Paul, you know, slated it. He says spirit, soul, and body. Not body, soul, and spirit. He has to place them based on priority and importance. Did you catch that? Did you catch that, people of God? I said, did you catch that? Say, thank you, Jesus. Because the spirit is more important than the soul. And the soul is more important than the body. John chapter 6, he said, the spirit gives life, but the flesh profits nothing. So there's no profit in the flesh. But you and I, today, in our Christian journey, which one do we give more attention? The quantum cadaver. All the money goes to the body. All the attention goes to the body. We neglect our spirit and neglect our soul. And the one that we are going to transit with is not this body. We will leave it. We have seen cops smell and still we are spending 90% of our time on the body. Is that a wise choice? We have seen our body deteriorate. Check yourself when we were young. You were so nice, look, nice looking, man. You admire yourself. Now you are getting old and everything is changing. Even your own body is telling you that life is not what permanent. When you were 20 years old, you were looking so smooth and wonderful. Now you are hiding what the body is telling you. Time is going on. Time is going on. Time is going on. Your face that used to be round now looks like a cross. Your leg that used to, you know, used to play football and do all kinds of now you are using sticks to support it. This same mouth that you have used to eat all kinds of things now. <laughs> hey. When you eat one carrot, you thank God. They eat more than that. 
you'll be sick for two weeks. That's enough reason to make you know that life is not temporal. I mean, life is not what we see. It's not the physical thing. So God wants to sanctify this body because whatever happens to your spirit will overflow your soul. And whatever happens to your soul will discharge in the body. Change a man's thoughts. You've changed his entire life. And so that is why it's only God himself that can do this job. Because it is on the very image of himself. Only God can repair himself. That's why Paul is revealing to us today. The rejoicing and the joy of Christmas is that the sanctification made manifest through the burden of Jesus is at work in me, is at work in you. And we are cooperating with him all, every day, every day, every day. Child of God, unleash yourself and serve God now. Release yourself from the captivity of your mind and serve God now. Give God his rightful place in your life now. Allow him to finish with you. You are too busy. Like you are not giving God the time to finish the work he has started in your life. So that when he finishes with you, he will keep you. No farmer keeps a yam that is rotten in the barn. Once he touches the yam, even though he looks well, once he opens his and sees that inside the yam is rotten, what, what happens? He drops it somewhere. The good yam he ties in his band. That's why when God has totally, holistically sanctified your spirit, soul, and body, he will keep you sound and what? Blameless. In your spirit, no blame. In your soul realm, no blame. In your body realm, no blame. That's the type of thing God is talking about. This is what is called a genuine riches that God has found you. True riches are not material things. True riches is that God has found you holistically sanctified. And as you are listening to me today, I pray the Holy Spirit, who is laying bare to us these words, will so touch our hearts, break our refusal to yield, crack our pride. Let him take any length, let him take any step he likes to provoke us and bring us into this factory that God is working in our lives. The sanctification process must finish. The God of this world knows that if you are sanctified, you have escaped forever. So he will do everything that will make you resist this so he can have access to your soul. May that not be a portion in the name of Jesus Christ. I say, may that not be a portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he wants to keep you sound. Amen. I want Jesus to keep me sound. Though. Let me be sound in my spirit. Let me be sound in my mind. One of the gifts of the spirit when you receive the Holy Ghost is that he gives you what? A sound mind. Your mind will discern. You will know evil from good. You will know direction. You can see beyond what the eyes can give you. You can walk by faith. You will learn that this life on earth is transient. In as much as you go for the things of this life, you are always using them to pursue the values of the kingdom. Not for your personal aggrandizement. He will keep you sound. He will keep you blameless. How is it going to be 
that when God looks at you, you are blameless before him. Like a mother that picks a child that is so dirty, what does the mother do? He drags the baby and brings the child to the bath and begin to wash. Wash everything. Maybe he has put oil everywhere, grease in his, in his mouth, on his head. He pours grease. You know what they call grease, right? He pours the grease on his head. Soap cannot wash it. Now, now the area, go he wash the grease. The mother will use area and pour on the head of the child to clean all the grease, clean the child properly, dress the child. Then, after that, he can carry the child and say, yes. The child cannot be taken. But at that point, when the child is messed up all around, no! Junior, come, don't touch anything. You are staining everything. That's what God is doing now, right? He's saying, hey, come, come, come. You are staining everything. Everything you touch, you carry from And the child who doesn't understand will be angry with the mother. Want me leave me alone? Why are you punishing me? I want to take my toy. Don't touch it. It's my own. But your hand is full of grease. It's your own, but it will be prevented from touching it. God wants to keep you blameless. I said God wants to keep you what? Blameless. Cooperate with him. Stop the arrogance. Stop fighting grace in your heart. Stop arguing with God in your soul. Stop telling God that you're not ready yet. This season calls for genuine submission. Allow the grace of the season to do something in your life. You don't know what 2024 holds for you. Every opportunity in our life, God is showing us mercy that we may respond. Zolikoni has kept you sound and blameless. He will keep you for the coming of the Lord. And he now concludes by saying, He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He's faithful. He will do it. Lift your hands in the air. I say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your consent for me. Everybody, whatever you are, lift your hands up as a sign of surrender, okay? Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for the grace of salvation. I come to you today. I've heard your word. And it makes sense to me. I've heard you. And I want to come to you again. May your hand be stretched right now. May your hand be stretched right now. Hold my hand. And never let me go again. And never let me go again. Finish your work in my life. Sanctify me, Lord. Sanctify my spirit. Sanctify my soul. Sanctify my body. Keep me for yourself. Say it again loud and clear. Keep me to yourself. May I become blameless by your power. So that when Jesus comes, I'll be gloriously presented to you. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Open my eyes and let me see. Take away deception from me. Take away rebellion from me. 
I have sought joy in the things of this world. And I found none. I'm still as sad as anything. I'm depressed. I see myself bored. I'm empty always. Even with all that I have. On this day, I come to you. With the humility of my heart, give me joy again. That joy that comes from you. That I may rejoice in my spirit. That I may rejoice in my soul. And above all, I will rejoice in my body. Thank you, Jesus. Keep it quiet for one minute.